living three years in Seattle, I got used to not seeing sunlight, and I felt like it was wintertime, but it is good to have sunlight, isn't it? And it reminds me of how life can be here in Wisconsin. One day sunny, the next day not sunny, and rain and rain and rain. We've had plenty of rain. We've had a record of rainfall in September. We'll see what October brings us. Life can kind of just be up and down in Wisconsin. How many of you know what it's like? One moment you got the heat on, and then you got the air conditioning on. It's just in the same day. People joke about that, but it's reality for us. And uh, life can be like that. How many of you ever feel like life's a roller coaster? Take a look at this picture here. Right? You feel like life, well, there is a picture somewhere. Life can be like, ah! Where you feel like life is crazy, and you're just screaming it out, and the person next to you is like, this is wonderful. The first time my daughter, one of my daughters, was old enough to be on a roller coaster down at Great America in Illinois, I uh, said, hey, go, let's go on the American Eagle. I mean, American Eagle, that's me, red, white, and blue. Yeah, that's oh, she was the little kid screaming. She didn't breathe the whole time. And, uh, but life can be like that. Or some people like this next photo here, some people just treat life like, okay, guess what? I'm on this crazy ride, I'm just going to treat life as normal. So the next slide here, we're just going to do our daily things. People now know that they take photos on these rides and they're fun and they pull up the toothbrush and, you know, getting their makeup and shaving and, yeah, life can be that. But reality for some of us, the next slide here, life is hard. Life has ups and downs. In fact, nowadays, now people don't people are getting to the point where they're like, yeah, whatever, roller coaster, that's not we want some more excitement. Have you heard of those slingshot things? Where they have these super bungee cords and they just crank it down and they shoot you up, you know, a couple hundred feet. Here's a picture of the next slide of that. Where they shoot you up and you're just flying through and a lot of the photos are people passing out because it goes so fast the blood leaves their brain and they just pass out. But when it comes to life, sometimes we wonder, why do we have to go through this stuff? How many of you have gone through life where you feel like it's up and down? Why this? And you finally get up and then something else comes. Whether it's financial situation, whether it's with your children, whether it's sickness. And sometimes we ask, dear God, what are you doing with my life? It's been raining all the time, give me some sunlight. Listen to me. In reality, the Lord might be saying, what are you doing with your life? Why are you... And the list could go on. Because often in the ups and downs, we want to say, God, why? And the Lord might be saying, why are you doing these things? And today we're going to take some time and look in the book of Judges and learn a little bit about Israel's history of their ups and downs of their roller coaster life so before we do that let's pray even though this is the third or fourth time we prayed in church already it's good to pray and we're praying to get our hearts ready because our minds might be on we finally got some sun i want to do this this afternoon or whatever but this is our moment as the body of christ to soak and saturate in the word of god and in that the lord speaks to us from this word. So let's pray. 
Lord, I do thank you for today. I thank you that we can gather. And I thank you for the sun. It is good to see that. And Lord, it's a reminder that we do have days that are bright and days that are of gloom. And Lord, this morning, I, I, I pray for those who seem to be on that roller coaster ride every day, ups and downs with relationships, ups and downs with financial heartache and job security, ups and downs with their children and grandchildren, ups and downs with medical issues. Lord, speak to us today out of the beauty of Your Word. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for two years we are going through Christ in the Old Testament. We're taking time looking in the Old Testament at each book and taking time to look at where Christ is in the Old Testament. And <clears throat> through this we're looking at different stories, different situations of Israel's history on how God deals with people. And what does God do with His people? In Genesis, He chose a people, if you recall that. In Genesis, He chooses a man, and then chooses a family, then chooses a nation. In Exodus, He saves and redeems a people. In Leviticus, He sets them apart. He talks about the Levites and all the different rules and regulations and laws. He sets them apart to be sanctified, to be holy. Genesis, He chooses. Exodus, He saves. Leviticus, He sets apart. In Numbers, He leads a people. Numbers has these great stories of them getting ready to go to the promised land. Even though they disobey and become grumpy and grumble, they are led soon to the promised land. In Deuteronomy, God instructs the people. There are two lengthy sermons where Moses reiterates the law again, the Ten Commandments, and he instructs the people. Then we get to the section, that's the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Then we get to the historical books. And in the historical books, we see here that God prepares the people for the Messiah. We're going to see this often in the stories and, and how they relate to God and God relates to them. He's preparing them, getting them ready for this great Savior, for the great Deliverer, for the great Messiah to come. And we saw this in Joshua. Joshua really isn't about Joshua. Joshua isn't about these great victory campaigns that he has. A lot of people like writing stories about, oh, here's how you be a military leader. Look at the book of Joshua. Really, Joshua is about the victory that God brings. That's what Scripture speaks about. God leads the way. God is the captain of the host of the army. God is victorious. A few Sundays ago when we went through that, we sang victory in Jesus. A little side note as we go through historical books in the Old Testament. We are accustomed in the Western world when we read history, we get this from school, we get this from the way we think, we are accustomed to when we read history, we kind of look at a sequence of events as they go and we read our stories and there's this chronological timeline that we enjoy and that's what we like to read. And that's not the way it is in Hebrew literature. When we read the Old Testament, if you're thinking, oh, these are historical books, you might struggle a little bit as you read through that because they don't line up the way we would think in the Western world. The authors, when they're writing history in the Old Testament, inspired by God, 
They're not writing a sequence of events like we would want where cover every detail in case someone complains. We look back and go, look, this is what happened. Instead, what they do is they want to help the people of that time understand what God wants them to know. So what they do is they select certain stories and pass up certain stories. And they, what they do is they focus on themes and principles about God more than maybe the timeline than we're used to. And you saw that as we went through a few weeks ago, we looked at the outline of even the whole Old Testament. There's only 11 books that cover the outline, the timeline, the storyline. So when you read through the historical books, know that the literary structure is different than what we are today used to. They're not events as we would do. They like to parallel events and bring up themes and principles. Kind of like a movie with a weird timeline. I like watching movies. And if I didn't know, and this happens, if I don't know that the movie is kind of jarred with the timeline, I'm usually thrown off like, wait, what? Wait, oh, this is 10 years before? Oh, now we're 20 years ahead? What's happening? Know that as we read. So let's go to the book of Judges. Take your Bibles and turn to Judges. There's a Bible in front of you. If you didn't bring one, I encourage you to bring a Bible. In fact, I've encouraged you to get a notebook, even for this two-year series, so you can have a notebook as you write down notes, Christ in the Old Testament. Judges. We're going to be looking at Judges 2 today. But a little bit before we get that, Judges. So we just we got the Torah, the first five books, the, the Pentateuch, and then we've got Joshua. Joshua again, there's this conquering and conquest of the land that was promised and Moses has passed on. Joshua now is the new leader and he leads them to the promised land and they, they conquer. Then they divide it up between the people, the tribes, and at the end of Joshua, they celebrate and they recommit their hearts to the Lord. And we would think that now part two is going to be great and wonderful. They're in the promised land. People are walking with the Lord. The blessing of God. Peace. Milk and honey. Victory. But quickly we see a contrast happening here. Joshua, there's great victory. And then judges come. And in the first two chapters we realize it's not the case. In fact, the first two chapters give reasons why Israel is about to have multiple failures they're going to be on a roller coaster ride up and down sin rebellion brokenness broken relationships horrific ending in fact this is the sad next episode of israel's history from good to bad like a movie that goes from pg to rated r that's what judges is like it doesn't get pretty. It gets worse and worse. And the first two chapters talk about why this is happening. From good to bad to ugly. Okay, no, no some of you got that. All right. <clears throat> and here's the event. And kind of, here's the cycle that they're going through. Here is this pattern of disobedience. So I've kind of broken it up into three things. Number one, the people and their offense. Number two, God's righteous, holy 
anger because of their sin, because of their disobedience. Point three, God's intervention. And in this section of Scripture, we see His intervention is bringing in judges to come, different deliverers to come. And this book, it's interesting, when you read through the book of Judges, you realize you have the same story seven different times with seven different characters and people involved. Here's a story of sin, rebellion, God's judgment, and God's deliverance. Then he tells a story again of people's sin, rebellion, God's anger and judgment, and he brings a deliverer. Seven different times the same story with seven different characters. So we begin to ask, why is this all happening? Just as I said, God, why? Why am I on this roller coaster? Maybe God is saying, why are you doing these things? So let's begin with chapter 2, verse 10. We begin with the people's offense. Judges chapter 2, starting with verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered up to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. People's offense. The following generations that were to come did not know of the Lord. They did not know of who He is, what He has done, and His character. Because that generation failed to teach, failed to demonstrate, failed to impart the beauty of who God is to the younger people. And that generation didn't experience the exodus. Or learn from their parents. Or learn from the Levites. A lot of judgment is on the Levites. The leaders, the religious leaders of the time, you're not teaching the children, the people. They failed to pass on the faith. We adults have a great responsibility to pass on, to teach the younger generation. That's why we took a whole summer going through the Ten Commandments. We want people to know the beauty of who God is. Know the Word. Know the Ten Commandments. How many of you got the Ten Commandments memorized? Remember Pastor Joni in the middle of it gave us the quiz and half of us were like, oh, I got three of them down. Can I get that microphone? Sorry, Eric, I forgot to grab that. Well, to help you, I'm going to have Darren come up and help you remember the Ten Commandments. Now, I grew up in Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin. On that side of Wisconsin, we have more of a German accent. And this side has a different accent. So we're going to do it some of your style. So Darren, if you could read us the Ten Commandments. It says, there's only one God, you know. It says, don't make that fish on your mantle an idol. Cussing ain't nice. Go to church even when you're up north. Honor your folks. Don't kill all which 
Always catch and release. There's only one Lena for every Oli. No cheating. If it ain't your Ludafisk, don't take it. Don't be bragging about how much snow you shoveled. And keep your mind off your neighbor's hot dish. <laughs> Thank you. Whatever strong accent you have, make sure you make it bold and loud to let others know. But truly, every generation must know the beauty of who God is and the relationship He wants with His children. They increasingly fail to uphold the law, the Torah, and the covenant commandments. They went after other idols, other gods, other things. They followed and worshipped. Look at those words. Followed and worshipped. And because of that, they no longer get God's blessings. Why? Because of their sins. In fact, a running statement that goes through the book of Judges seven times did evil in the sight of of the Lord. Seven times did evil in the sight of the Lord. Breaking the covenant, disobeying God's commandments. Doing right in their own eyes. In fact, take a look at the last chapter of Judges. Go right to the end, chapter 21. As a summary, as a bold statement to kind of summarize what's happening why this roller coaster of events in fact when you read through all of the old testament you'll see the israelites commit to god fail god saves them they commit to god they fail up and down up and down why this roller coaster look at the last verse of this whole book in those days israel had no king everyone did as he saw it. Boy, that could be spoken of in America. We just do what we want. And if you dare say that I'm doing something wrong, you're not tolerant and loving. What? We are messed up as a society, people. Everyone sees as fit to do what they want. There's no authority. How sad it is. They have this roller coaster ride because there's no authority in their life. There is to be authority, God, their Savior, but they reject that. Go back to Judges 2, now part two of this cycle and pattern. Why is this happening? Number one, they've offended God, they've failed to keep the covenant law, they've sinned, done evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, God's anger. Chapter 2. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook Him and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. In His anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just 
as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. When people sin, the next thing that happens is God's anger. Here's something that I've noticed as I read through the Old Testament about the life of Israel in the relationship with God. God offers blessing, provision, protection. Remember that? One of the reasons we have the law is to provide and protect. Don't put your fork in the outlet. You'll get hurt. So it's to provide and protect you. God offers His provision, offers His protection. But when they disobey, God says, I will then withhold my protection and I will withhold my provision from you. When they disobey, His hand of protection is withdrawn. The enemy come, the nations come, and they cry out. Hard times. In fact, I've learned that as I've read through early when I was a young parent. I read through the Old Testament going, that's how the father treats his children. And I realized, you know what? He's a good father to his children. And a good father will not let them ruin their life. So what he does is in their sin and sorrow, he withholds his protection, his hold, his blessings for a momentarily time. So that way they feel some pain, they suffer a little bit, so that they do cry out to him. He's not some mean father up in heaven with lightning bolts blasting people away and just going, oh, I got them well. Here's more rain, Wisconsin. Ha, 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 ha. He does that to awaken them up to realize this nasty sin will not satisfy. I must cry out to the God who does satisfy. And I've applied some of those aspects to my parenting. When my children disobey, privileges are taken away. Little thing you can remember. When your children disobey, privileges are taken away. If they disobey throughout this day or this week, guess what? That big event you wanted to go to, sorry, you can't go to that. You disobeyed. God's anger is there. But again, it's not just lightning bolts to zap them because He loves it. It's to awaken them so they see their need for Him. Lastly, in the cycle, we see this. God's intervention. God's intervention. People sin. God's angry. But God always intervenes. As we are shown Israel's unfaithfulness, we see the faithfulness of God. We see the faithfulness of God. He does not leave them in their sin. He brings judgment, difficulty, suffering, so that they would come to an end of themselves and cry out for help. When you mess up, there is restoration in the relationship. In the Old Testament, it was a sacrificial system. For us today, it's Jesus Christ. God is serious about sin. Do you hear that? God is serious about sin. And He will deal with it. Even though humanity continues to rebel, God is patient and shows mercy and grace to an unfaithful people. In sending divine ambassadors to help them. So let's look at the next part. 
Judges chapter 2, 16 through 19. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commandments. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with that judge and saved them out of the hands of the enemies. As long as that judge lived, listen to this, for the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. God always listened. But when the judge died, the people returned to the ways even more corrupt than their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. Following, serving, and worshiping. They refused to give up their evil practice and stubborn ways. Now a little thing about this book, Judges. When we think of Judges, we picture, as you see in this next slide, we picture a group of judges in black robes, and we see these people... You know, that's a judge to us. And we understand, okay, they sit in a courthouse and they, they deal with different disputes and they kind of act justly, hopefully. We should pray for our judges. We have three of them in our county. Pray for them. But this isn't really the case in the Old Testament. Judges in other parts, they did, whenever this word judge is used in other parts of the Old Testament, yeah, they, they would deal with different disputes or different things and sometimes the Levites would be a part of that. But here in this book, the word judges are not like that at all. In fact, they're more like agents of justice. And primarily, all the judges except for Deborah dealt in military affairs. They were like crusaders. They were like agents of justice. Military leadership. Responding to a crisis. They were deputies of God. Here's kind of a a picture here. They didn't have like a black robe. They usually had a weapon. And they were out to help defeat the enemy. They were military conquerors led by God. So when you hear judge, judges, don't think someone in a black robe walking around going, okay, you're pardoned, you're not. They were military personnel. God's intervention was to bring up a judge-savior to rescue his people and bring deliverance. Even though they're going through this roller coaster life, the Israelites often wonder, God, what are you doing? And we must know that God always rescues his distressed people. So, in the book of Judges, there are seven judges that are brought up by God after the people cry out and they come and they bring rescuing and deliverance to them. They're saviors and judges who come and bring these great military things to happen. But as soon as they die, what happens? They slip back in to sin. So where is Christ in all of this? It's interesting to note that the word used for judge in these first two chapters, they say God raises up judges to do this. So this Hebrew word, judge, is talked about in the first two chapters, but then in the rest of the book, these seven judges are never used by that noun. 
They're never called judge. In fact, the only character called the judge in this, in chapter 11, verse 27, is the Lord Himself. He is the judge. He is the ultimate Savior, ruler, deliverer. And in many ways, we are no different than the Old Testament people. We have the same common pattern they do in their relationship with God, up and down. We have sin, like a cancer fatal to our souls. We sin, we fail, we hear the Ten Commandments, we go, oh, that's great, let's follow them. And that week, we fail. And our sin is the great offense to God. And God is just. And He would be right to condemn us forever. People's failure, God's anger. But we must know that God always rescues His children who are in distress. Amen? Always. He is not done with you. He wasn't done with the children of Israel. They went through a lot of stuff. At times, multiple, many, thousands were just wiped out. He wasn't done with them. A great summary of the Old Testament would be this. There is a God. He chose a people. And He would be their God and they would be their people. They made this covenant. God never changed. He was always their God, but the people failed over and over again. So something must change. So God said, I will change you. Change your heart. And when the Messiah comes, things will be new. God's intervention was to bring Jesus, the judge, the Savior, to rescue His people and bring deliverance. These seven judges... They point to Christ, the great judge, the great Savior, found in the Messiah. That's where true deliverance is. And God comes to our rescue when He took on flesh. Take your Bibles and turn to the verse after the most famous verse in the Bible. See where you end up going to. Hopefully some of you go to Romans 8. Just kidding, okay. John chapter 3. Again, this is the most famous verse in the Bible at this time. Historically, it hasn't always been the most famous verse. John 3.16 is that verse. Most people have that memorized. I would encourage you, don't just memorize that. In fact, I'd encourage you to memorize the whole chapter. Memorize verse 17. For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn to judge the world but to save the world through him boy isn't that beautiful jesus is our savior as an author guthrie says the first time jesus came he saves by experiencing judgment not exercising it The first time Jesus came in the flesh, He came as Savior on the cross. But know this, the second time He comes, He's coming as judge. 
He is coming to judge. Listen to this out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you when you are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Know this. Jesus has come as Savior. I encourage you, turn to Him today as Savior because He is coming again as judge. And those who do not turn to Him as Savior now, He will be only judge to them. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. It is faithful and true. And I thank You that You are faithful and true. You do not give up on us when we, even this week, in my sin I realized, what am I doing? We've given up on You so many times. We praise You that You are faithful. We thank You that You are just, but more than just, grace and mercy. And Lord, as the children of Israel experienced their ups and downs, roller coaster rides, they would recommit to the Lord and the next month they would just fail. We often are the same. In many ways, shame on us. But glory be to the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Lord, we celebrate You because You are faithful. And for those who are suffering right now in this room, may they turn to You as Savior, Judge, Deliverer as You rescue this we pray in Jesus' name.